Welcome to the Mini Break Podcast, your daily roundup of the biggest storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Friday, March 15th, and I am your host, Max Rothman. And on this episode of the Mini Break, we'll be breaking down the first portion of the men's quarterfinal at Indian Wells and the women's semifinals. And to do that, of course, I've got to bring on my doubles partner, partner in crime, and the man who has gotten way too much love on the Mini Break (laughs) Podcast over the last few days, Alexander Scott Gruskin. Hey, man, how we doing? Well, you know, it was an eight-podcast week at Cracked Rackets this week. We've done a ton of fun stuff on all of the, the content front with Indian Wells, with what's going on Challenger college-wise. There's been a real healthy selection of things for us to talk about, so we've tried to do that as much as possible. But to quote Novak Djokovic after the Australian Open, Rothman, not too bad. Not too bad. Not too bad. <laughs> Westhoff, can we get the actual sound effect, please? Not too bad. But actually, look, eight eight podcasts, and uh, I feel like we've done a good job of getting everything in relatively timely fashion. I know we haven't stuck to our 25, 30 minutes uh, every time, but uh, we're working on it, everyone. So uh, bear with us as we, try and shorten <laughs> as we try and shorten these and get ready for a few more not too bads. Uh, on this podcast, but uh, to stick to the shorter podcasts, we will jump right into today's matches. Can uh, I, before Al- you begin, I just want to compliment you, compliment Jamie McDonald, compliment Matt Stokowiak. We, you guys have really killed it. Obviously, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Daniel Westhoff and Max Fliegner, but seriously, you guys have been killing it all week long. You know how controlling I can be. You know how stubborn I can be, and to be well, hands-off, to get to watch you guys... It- Considering you just tried to do that at the beginning of the pod while I'm hosting, when we typically do that at the end, it goes to show. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it back from you. Wait, and, I was trying to compliment you. you and say thank you for leaving the college tennis for me and Chris, which we mentioned on an emergency GSP. Obviously, we know the Michael Center story. We know uh, the Georgetown coach Gordon something. His name's escaping me because he's a criminal. Uh, but. We, we, yeah, Gordon Ernst, we, we got to talk about all that. Go listen to that if you want to hear more. And thank you, Rothman, for leaving that topic for me. Of course. It's actually funny. My mom, after uh, you know reading about all of this in the various newspapers and, and online articles, uh, went and found our 2013 correspondence with him. Uh, really? Pre- pretty interesting just looking back on it. Uh, not, nothing scandalous there. but I was at the office and someone asked me about it. My real job. Like, it, that never happens. And that, I was true. I was like, I'm happy to actually. I have a perfect <laughs> episode for you. Check out the Great Shot podcast. Like, rate, so- subscribe, review. Well, my mom's already listened to it once or twice, so you've got a couple <laughs> listens from her. But uh, You know, my mom made a point. I'm sorry. This is why these episodes go too long. But she made a point. She goes, you know, Max's interview with Braden Schnur was just so good, Alex. Did you get a chance to listen? I was like, oh, my God. Like, and she's like, yes. And she goes, and I'm sorry if she listens to this podcast. She goes, oh, my God. Are you and Kennedy Schaefer going to get together? Like, she's so perfect for you. And I was like, I can't. Mom, stop it. Uh, but well, that, sorry. That, I was great that was – that was your subtle way of plugging our most recent interviews on the Cracked Interviews podcast. So make sure to go check those out. Rate, subscribe, like, do it all. Uh, but let's talk some tennis. Let's try. And it's a Friday. This. We're loose. And it's it, well, it's a Friday and it's late, so uh, we're 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 looser than usual. But let's start talking about the tennis uh, today. You know, we're supposed to have two quarterfinal matches. Uh, unfortunately, we were only left with one on the men's side, and uh, that was Milos Raonic taking down. Uh, Miomir Kizmenovic, 6'3", 6'4". You know, look, Ranich looks amazing. Um, and 
if you listen to the last mini break, I thought he looked like crap beforehand. <laughs> he now he's he stepped it up the way that he needed to. Uh, and and I was surprised to see it. I didn't necessarily think we were gonna get that next level of performance from him, but it just I know. But I'm gonna let you talk. But looking at his stats really quick, the the one that just stands out, he won 88 percent of his first serves. Like, what? I mean, so so you're gonna get <laughs> mad at me, but I'm, I'm gonna take us back real quick, even beyond this match. Big picture, if you come into this tournament as Milos Raonic and you're told, hey, you're gonna play Sam <laughs> Query, then you're gonna play yeah, Marcos Giron, then you're gonna play Lon, Jan Leonard Struff, then you're gonna play Miomir Kasmanovic, he'd been like, yep, I'll do that, sure, like sign me up, I'm a hundred percent in, and so. You have to consider that. You have to consider he's lost one set this tournament thus far, played one tiebreaker set against Query. Obviously, the set he lost against Giron, that was a testament to how well Marcos was playing. Um, but it's been the perfect draw for me. And you were talking with Stokowiak yesterday about how John Isner on a slower court, uh, he it, it, it kind of plays to his benefit because he's allowed... Uh, he can buy himself more time. You know, the kick serve he hits bounces that much higher, and it allows him to take that one more step forward, be a little bit closer to the net, have a little bit better positioning. Well, as you mentioned with those first serve stats for Milos Raonic, it's borderline untouchable right now. The way he's able to set up his ball, you know, whether it's a serve plus one forehand, whether it's an outright ace, whether it's a serve and volley, everything is playing to his favor. Now, Miramir Kazmanovic was standing six feet behind the baseline a lot of the time, and that plays right to Raonic. Jonic's hand, but the other thing I really wanted to mention, I'm curious your thoughts, he does this everywhere, but given how slow these Indian Wells courts are, Raonic's ability in this tournament to step around his backhand, whether it's even when returning the ball, taking you know a couple steps behind the baseline, or just in general in the rally, cheating so far over so that he can hit inside-out forehands, which he can find absurd angles for, but even more so, the confidence he has to just be like, I'm going inside in right now, and even if I miss it, whatever, I'm I, the way I'm playing, I have a shot at making it. Regardless of the level of his opponent, you're right. He's playing an outstanding level of tennis, or at least what, well, look, we, what we need from him. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said there. I think, you know, I criticized him earlier for slicing too much, and I, and I don't even know if I did that on the pod. We've talked so much tennis off pod. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think these courts are great for him because, as I was saying, I, I think he was slicing too much. I mean, if you watch the match against Giron, I, I thought that was what allowed Giron to to be in those rallies with him. He was able to, you know, hit enough to hit enough of an angle to hit to that backhand, get Ranich slicing a lot. Uh, but like you said, he's he's cheating over a little bit it, today during the match. You know, he had a, a three at three four. He had a break um, a break point against him, and he just hit. You know, ran around the backhand, hit an outrageous angle inside out to save break point. And so, like you said, I think it's working for him on the slow courts. Uh, I I do think it's going to be tough though uh, tomorrow against team, and we'll we'll dive into that match a little bit later in this pod. Last point on Rayonich. The the most impressive thing we can use this to transfer into the Kasmenovich talk. Kasmenovich on his serve makes seventy percent of his first serve wins, seventy four percent of those first serve points, sixty two percent of his second serve points. That's usually a good enough you know number to get the job done. But the way Rayonich plays so aggressive, he takes his chances. As a server, you can only afford to have one loose game. Or for him as a returner, if he has one hot game. That's the set. And I mean, when you're playing that well, when you're able to capitalize on your advantage, you know, uh, 
in this match. Kesmenovic only has three breakpoint opportunities, and to his credit, he started stepping up, trying to take second serves early, trying to take time away from Rayonich, doing whatever he could to find the Rayonich backhand side, but credit to Milos, man. He, he, he keeps switching coaches, and that's a narrative is, you know, he's never comfortable with one guy. You could construe that as he hasn't found the rhythm he wants, or you could construe it as he knows what he does well. He doesn't need a yes man. He wants different opinions all the time because it's the little things for him that make a difference. And when your opponent's serving as well as he is, and you still win the match, something's going right. So credit to Milos Raonic. I'm also excited to watch what happens when he plays a guy in team who can take some time away from him. Absolutely. And I want to make just one other point and ask you a quick question about Kizmenovic as you know, we are talking about him. Look, he he lucky losers into this tournament after Anderson withdraws. He beats Martyrer three and two. He beats Jir two and six. Uh, beats Nishioka after a six four first set win, and then he retires. The kid is nineteen years old, and he you know has been playing challengers for the most of this year. He, you know, he played the he played the Indian Wells challenger before this. He played Dallas before that. Lost first round. Um, you know, he played the Newport Beach Challenger. He loses to Fritz in three. He qualifies for the Aussie Open and and loses first round of Verdasco. So, I mean, he's been kind of on this brink of making it further in one of the bigger tournaments. And this is a guy that we haven't brought up in the the next-gen conversation. Do you think this is a guy that we're going to start seeing? What? You're going to get mad at me. Dude, you don't listen. I have brought him up. No, but not not seriously. So my counter... We haven't seriously said that this is a guy that we're going to see. Like, we, whenever we're like, oh, who's going to be in the top 50? Who's going to be in the top 100? We don't we don't really throw him in the mix. So I completely – see, first of all, it's so nice to have you back because we can spar like we always do, and this is why we go 40 minutes. Yes, we have. That's the exact qualification. We said top 50, this guy's a lock, Miomir Kazmanovic. We had him in those lower tiers. Now, you're right. We haven't mentioned him in the same breath as the Shapovalovs, the FAs. So I guess but- that's the question. Now, but he's 18 it, years old, now 19, right? So that's why we weren't, because he's a little young. He's on the younger side of that group. He's the same, you know, younger than Alex Dimenauer, I think, and Dimenauer just broke through. Now, I'm not saying we're going to see that from Kesmenovich this year, but I, <laughs> I feel like I'm defending myself. You didn't even criticize. I, I mean, to get to the root of your question, yes, I'm very confident about this guy, because given how slow these hard courts are playing, I think his game's going to translate really well to Clay. He doesn't have a definitive weapon to hit through the court, and if you can't tam- take away time from Rayonich, you're just not going to win. But I think the way he constructs points, how solid he is at the baseline, both wings, you know, the way he's able to take balls early, redirect down the line, all encouraging signs from someone his age. I'm not saying I think he's going to win a Grand Slam one day because that's it's too early to tell. But yes, I guess if you're asking... Top 50, for sure. He's a prospect. Uh, you know, former world number one junior. People have heard of him before. Yeah, look, I think I needed to rephrase that question and bring it up. Because <laughs> I know we've talked about him, but it was more in the sense that, you know, we haven't brought him into the same category as a Chapo, an FA, any of those guys. And, of course, they've had more success. But this is the kind of success getting to this, you know, this round of a tournament uh, in, a, in a Masters, nonetheless. And I know it wasn't the hardest draw, but he still, he managed to do it. Um, and so I, I think it's worth bringing it up to say, is this the kind of performance and, and the kind of run in a tournament that you know gives him the merit to be put into that category uh, with some of these other guys? 
I'm not convinced. I think I need to see more from him. I'm also not convinced his movement is necessarily good enough for the clay court season. Uh, I mean, we'll see it. We'll see how he, he, you know, is able to hold up against uh, some of the veterans on the clay. But I mean, all in all, great tournament for the kid. Uh, and I think we're definitely going to be seeing more of him in the future. But unless you have anything else to say, uh, I, I think we should move on. August 31st, 1999. That's when he was born. Let's give him time because this is a three-time Junior Slam semifinalist. We're going to see special things from him. Yeah, look, I mean, he he's at his he, he was at his career high, you know, just a few months ago and he's definitely <laughs> going to pick up a bunch of points now and he's going to keep moving up so he's going to get into more big tournaments. So we're, we're going to see more of him. Uh, but let's move on to the other match that should have happened today. We just got to bring it up real quick. Uh, we were supposed to see a Gael Monfils, Dominic team quarterfinal, and I, I wish we could have seen it. Um, you know, Monfils, look, I, I also ripped on Nishioka for withdrawing yesterday. Look, I, I think I need to take a step back and realize these guys have a long season ahead of them. They're trying to be smart about their bodies. As much as I wanted to see this match and as much as I would love to have seen Monfils win this tournament, clearly something was wrong uh, enough to get him to withdraw. And, and he was you know, a nice enough guy to step out on court and personally apologize to the fans. Um, but on you know, kind of a positive note for the fans in this scenario, uh, Tommy Haas, the, the tournament director, arranged for team and his hitting partner to go through a regular practice on the stadium court in front of the whole crowd. And, you know, apparently some fans from the upper deck were invited down to the lower bowl and uh, they got to watch and interact with him. And apparently he was, uh, you know, definitely being open to the crowd. So kind of a a cool uh, substitute for, you know, them not getting to see that match. But I know this is a different podcast, but hey, great shot to them. And Westoff, cue the applause, please. Yeah, I, you covered it perfectly. I, I don't want to. When someone gets injured, I, what are you going to say? It, injuries happen. For Monfils, a guy who's dealt with so many nagging injuries, it's just nice to see him have a clean bill of health these first three months. If this is what it's going to take to make it so he can last through November, I'm all about it. Also, credit to team a guy who I had not been uh, uh, positive about thus far through the year. He hasn't had many good results for him to get to the quarterfinals, even under these circumstances huge for him or now he's in the semifinals against Rayonich. yep semis against Rayonich. dude we're if we get a federal Rayonich final i'm I'm not watching <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's, i don't think that's the match anyone really was hoping to see but uh let's we'll, we'll talk about the upcoming matches at the end of this pod let's move on to the women's and i'm gonna let you you know give your first take on the the benchich and plishkova match because you did call it i'll this is the only time i'm gonna give you credit <laughs> you did call that Benchich was going to, you know, do well in this tournament. So, you know, Benchich takes Pliskova down 6-3-4-6-6-3. What did you see in this match, Alex? Well, I apologize if I get the stat wrong, but I think Benchich has won something to the tune of 10 matches in a row. I think six of them have been against top 10 players. So it wasn't, yeah, you look who she's been along the way. In her Dubai, run to the Dubai title uh, just before this match, she, she beats Sabalenka, she beats Halep, she beats Svitolina, she beats Kvitova. She comes here, she beats Osaka comfortably. She grinds this match out in Pliskova. So, you know, I appreciate you giving me credit, but it's not like I came out of nowhere this, with this prediction. Yeah. This is something we've been seeing for a while. Now, that being said, 
Man, is Belinda Bencich talented. She's coming back from injury this year. She seems to have finally gotten healthy, gotten to a place where she looks comfortable with her fitness on court. She's playing within herself. She's not afraid. You know, Pliskova is a person who's going to hit the ball through the court and going to go after her shots no matter well. And Bencich played a little bit of defense in this match. It was nice to see that aspect from her. But even more impressively, I just love the way she crafts shots into the outer thirds. You know, Pliskova... I'm not going to say she plays entirely flat, but a lot of hers are smacks down the lines or smacks cross court. The trajectory of the ball, she's not creating a lot of angle for herself. The way Benchich is able to create angle on the forehand, I love her backhand side, love her backhand return, love Pliskova's backhand return as well. But just the way they step up early on the forehand, Benchich's backswing a little big, but she can also play around, play elevation shots on that side, which she was able to do when she was in trouble. Craft the ball really cross court court on the forehand to the outer third to where she was able to then change direction. And that is the last point of this component. You know, Pliskova has as much firepower, as I mentioned, as anyone. And certainly she could match Benchich blow for blow. I think the score, you know, 6-3, is reflective of that. But just Benchich's ability to change direction, she seems to make a conscious choice. You know, I'm never going to play more than two balls in the same direction. I'm going to keep you moving side to side, even if that involves a little bit of movement on my end. I'm just so impressed with her game, and there's so many young talents right now on the WTA side. It's so encouraging to me, but, I mean, Osaka, Benchich was born, I think, 97, so she's like 22 years old. She's also really young. I mean, she's a player to watch out for. If if Osaka's the established one, to if Osaka is to Zverev what Benchich is to Tsitsipas. No, that's too high. I actually scrapped that. Leave it in, Westoff, but... The point is I'm very, very, very high on Benchich. I'm probably higher on her than I am on Tsitsipas, if we're being honest. Well, considering you just complimented her game for about two minutes and 30 <laughs> seconds, we can tell how high you are yeah. on her. Mom, I- if you listen to this, that's who I'm going after. <laughs> <laughs> Kennedy, I'm sorry you had to, you had to hear that. <laughs> I'm sorry, too. Um, Leave it in, Westoff, whatever. <laughs> but... Uh, Look, I mean, I, I you you said a lot. Um, I, I think the only few other things I would say is that she did a great job. Pliskova really, you know, was moving her around the court, was hitting behind her. Like you said, with her movement, she was getting to everything. Uh, and the other thing that's hard with Pliskova is on that return, like you said, I mean, she was ripping returns today. And Pliskova look, ben, played sweet. It, it was a great match. All in all, a great match. Uh, I need to give negative props to the WTA for not getting negative props. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. What I was gonna say like, "Hey, bad shot." I don't know. Um, but they do we they say didn't... on this podcast like uh, a quick break to the BN or to the women's side? You know, they got broken. We we might have to incorporate that in the uh, in the we'll do that. That's a Twitter poll. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they they don't. The reason I was giving negative props is they don't. The WTA doesn't give any stats on their website, I, mm. which is just. Am, am I wrong? So not on that website, but I'm looking at the WTA or the BNP side. The BNP side is actually pretty decent. They don't have so the pro- distance. So covered. hey, great shot to BNP because usually yeah. I, I've been relying on the the WTA ATP sites and. No, they held serve. They did their job. And you look at it in this match. I mean, it's exactly what you thought if you watched it at all. Second serve points, neither player did particularly well. Bencic goes 13 of 29, 45%. Pliskova, 16 of 42, 38% uh, on the first serve points. Uh, Bencic makes 67%. Pliskova, 63 Bencic wins 78% of her first serve points. Pliskova, only 67%. You know, given that... Uh, 
Benchich won 54% to Pliskova's 46% of points in this match. That's literally the margins in this. It's uh, Benchich hit a few more uh, aggressive returns, was able to take control of a few more points, and that's really the difference in the end. Also, Benchich 4 of 16 on break points, Pliskova 2 of 7. I, I think that kind of speaks to that point. That it does. Well, let, we, let's move on to the next match so that we can also talk about our challenger matches that happened uh, over the last day or two. Uh, so the other match that, of course, we have to talk about, the other semifinal was Kerber taking down Venus 7663. And, you know, Venus playing some fantastic tennis this week took a lot to take down. So uh, I know that you had some, some thoughts on this. So we want to hear what you had to say about this match. I'm sorry for this tangent. Westoff, cue the elevator music because this cannot stay on the pod. Uh, And we're back. Um, So you asked me about this match, and I don't even remember the question. Sorry for that tangent. Uh, But... In general, <laughs> Venus is outstanding, but Kerber on a slow court. I keep mentioning how slow these Indian Wells courts are, but it's, it's really true. A, it, it, I, it's I was a there. Huge factor. It was it was ridiculous. Like it, it looked like all of the players were smacking the ball, and still everyone had like a, a light year's worth of time to get to them. So yes, it, it's pretty outrageous how slow they are. But please continue. No, and so for Kerber, who's so physically fit, who's able to track down so many extra balls going side to side on the, in, on the court, who's able to step up on these courts, take uh, returns early, and, you know, Venus, as great as she was, she, she can't move like she used to, so if you can get her moving, make her play defense, she, she's going to start to struggle. And look, in this match, Kerber just a little bit too good attacking Venus's second serve. Holds Venus to 38% there, 10 of 26. She protects her own serve well, 32 of 49, 65% on the first serve, uh, 17 of 25, 68% on the second. You look at the breakpoint opportunities, Venus had plenty of chances going 2 of 8, but for Kerber, 3 of 12. Clearly just had a few more chances in this match. Yeah, whenever you can see a high level of play from Venus Williams, it's so encouraging and it's funny. She was... Her body language is just so interesting at this point in her career. It's so fun to watch. It's really enticing and just I don't know, everything it again, it's all I don't know if enticing is the I don't know if enticing is the right word. It's all I, gravy. I, everything at this point of her career is gravy because she's already done so much. Dude, when you watch her on court, when you watch her like walk between points, it looks like she's in slow-mo. Straight up. <laughs> like you need to Your need words to, not mine. You need to, but you know what? I was also I was watching highlights of this match today, and it, seriously, I think she has to go that slow in between points so that she has the energy for when she is playing. She gathers herself so well. She's so composed. She during is. Points. She is, and and she's quick as hell. I mean, people. Eh. I think under. I no. I eh. think people underestimate how quick she is. I think I was thinking like I was watching her move, and I was like, huh, she doesn't look very fast, but she gets to everything. You've never had an old car, but and <laughs> neither have I. But there are just some days when the engines aren't running, and like it's true. There's some points where she's like, "Nope, I can't go behind me on this one. You got it behind me." But you're right. When she is moving, of course, she's Venus Williams. She's one of the sport's greatest athletes ever. You know, there's so much, and so you're right. It's it, of course she's going to have those days, but just Kerber's in her physical prime. It was too much today. 
I hear you. Look, we, we've got a few challenger matches that we want to talk about, and we've got some other things that we want to bring up at the end of this podcast, so we're going to move on to the challengers now. We haven't had a chance, the two of us, on the pod to talk about this, but the Phoenix challenger has just been an absurd amount of talent. I mean, looking at this draw, looking at the seeds, we've got Gofen as the one, Shardy as the two, Milman as the three, Kukushkin as the four, Ebden as the five, Berrettini... Not to be rude, but for the sake of time, all because we talked about this on the Tuesday mini pod. Oh, we listen, yeah. rate, subscribe, review, or maybe it was the Wednesday one. All of these days are blended now. All top sixteen seeds, all top one hundred players. It's it's ridiculous. So no, it's nuts. So I mean, if you haven't watched any of this, you can should I, be. Can I give two quick notes, please? Casper Rude took out Elias Yimerte. Those are both young players. Uh, Rude won the match one six six three six three. He's a young next gen or top one hundred. I think currently right now would get into the next gen finals in Milan, where to be today. Matches up with David Goffin tomorrow. If you can watch that match, you can find it on livestream.com backslash ATP. Wait. You know they didn't pay us for that plug, but definitely right. go hey, check it out. Hey, great shot to you because Goffin already beat Casper. Oh, they doubled up today. Yep, he won seven six seven six. Well, it was a good match, so leave well, it in. Uh, it was, that was, it was a good match. Go watch hey, the replay because hey, you can find it there. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally down with it. My point being, there's so much good tennis. You know, Gofen is advanced. Nikolaj Jerry's a young guy we've talked about. He's advanced. Ryan Harrison went down today, but, you know, John, Connor Johnston, Millman still in the draw. A ton of talent. It's just more proof. It sucks that guys got boxed out of this match, but the Challenger circuit's awesome. The, the Challenger circuit is awesome. I mean, also looking... At Drummondsville in, in Canada, you know, Barankis is playing this tournament. Uh, Torbergard got a win today, and he's going to be playing Barankis tomorrow. I've got uh, takes if you're ready on this one. I've watched yeah, this one even closer than Phoenix. Yeah, okay, so just real quick, uh, our, our guy J.J. Wolf unfortunately lost today to Maiden in uh, another match. Red Licky is still in. He beat Malayevich. Um, so we've got some good guys in, in the late rounds of these tournaments. I really wish you could have been in Chicago with us because our mutual friend and former club tennis teammate, Zach Gross, was in town. And you know Gross. He's our Jeff Goldblum. He looks just like him. It's incredible. And he's a very funny guy. And he just – he's a, also, a, despite being the funniest guy I know, he's a workout warrior, big man for his size. And he comes to the Ohio State match, and all he's talking about for the entire time is how does J.J. Wolf's quads look like that? And it's just – they're I mean, massive. They're massive. They fill the shorts. It's it's like it's a noticeable thing. You're just like, oh my god. And I guess this is my long way of saying the fact that that kid is still in college is mind blowing. He has an ATP ready game, and I know he lost today to Yannick Maiden, a, a guy who's on the precipice of the top 100. I believe he went to Clemson. He loses that match four and six. But JJ's weapons are real. You know, Drummondsville is a tournament that's indoors, so that really plays to JJ's strength when he can dictate with the serve with the forehand. You're just in trouble. And in this tournament, he knocked out Ty Kwiatkowski one and two. I mean, one and two. I watched their match, I think it was two years ago, JJ's freshman year, Ty's senior year, where Ty cleaned him off the court in the NCAA semifinals. And just, that's the opposite of that. So, that's a challenge. Yeah. He's good, man. Yeah, this is for a pot another time, but a college guy who I think he's around 240, 230, 220 right now in the ATP rankings, Mikhail Torpegard, he's got pro skills. Now, he doesn't have a, a definitive weapon he turns to all the time. He's a little bit tentative, but that's just because he's so physically gifted. 
But man, I like everything from him. Michael Redlicky, Arkansas, won three and one today. Upset Nikola Miljevic, uh, the number six seed, six seven, six eight. I think former Kalamazoo champion, a USTA guy. I mean, six eight indoors, you're a threat to win anything. It's just again, find a way to pay these guys because they deserve to be professional tennis players. Yeah, and I mean, we've heard plenty of complaints from them on Twitter, and maybe we'll have to bring in some of these tweets for our Twitter Tuesday mini break next week because there there are plenty of complaints as to the pay and the points that are on the challenger system. One more quick note for you in this Drummondsville draw. Stefan Kozlov lost first round to Jills Brower. <laughs> I didn't want to do that to you. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I saw you thinking it, and so that's why I bring this up. I interviewed USTA Pro Circuit play-by-play announcer Mike Cation yesterday and found another member of Kozlov Island. So some of us exist out there. And we started talking about, it's hilarious, we talked about Sam Query's win over him in the Sacramento Challenger final in like 2015. It was great. The point, I was in heaven. Westoff, give Gruskin a hallelujah sound effect there for having another another member of his squad because he needs it. Um, but I'm going to bring uh, one last challenger match here because it's going to help us transition into uh, you know a little tangent that I want to have with us. So... Lorenzo Sanego makes it through a few rounds here in Phoenix. He takes out Shardy first round, great win, and he takes out Harrison second round. But his first round win was over Nicola Kuhn, and you know we've we've been looking a little bit forward to Miami, and we will have a full Miami Open breakdown before the tournament starts. But and we were potentially going to save this for Twitter Tuesday, but you sent me this tweet, and we got to bring it up. So from Tennis Life. They tweeted today, it tells you all you need to know about the IMG agency running the Miami Open that Nicola Kuhn get a main draw wild card and Joe Willie Songa got one into qualifying. Now look, I don't want to infer anything about IMG agency, but that is absurd. That is absolutely fucking absurd. Like, So I, I have thoughts, but do we want IMG as a future sponsor or no? Of course. So then, do we Westoff have his elevator out again? Thing, and I honestly give wild cards to whoever you want. You run the event, you run the show. It's your choice. But man, IMG. Mmm, it's gonna be. I mmm mmm. I guess, Westoff, your choice what to do with that. Yeah. Well, look, all in all, it's just crazy that anyone who has, you know, won, not, excuse me, not won, but has made it to semifinals and finals of Grand Slams is getting a wild card into qualifying. Like, come Here's on. the thing. Nicola Kuhn is a very talented young German. I'm not For saying a while, that. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah, it's dude, just... they got to make that money. I, like, like that—that's what it's about. No one, no one needs to. No one can get. You know, you're not going to get in trouble for pointing that out. That's very clear. It, you're, you're right. You're right. But look, I, I want to bring up a few of the Miami updates before we move into looking towards our matches tomorrow. Uh, so, a few updates for the Miami draw. Uh, out is Cole Schreiber. I mean, un- understandable. He had a you know really long week here. Uh, even more than a week here at Indian Wells, so he's out. And in is Tomich, and I know you're excited about that. 
Um, <laughs> Actually, other- Tomich in Miami is dangerous. He's been arrested there before. Oh God, <laughs> that that place it brings out the worst stay with- of some people. Should we tell him to stay with Eric? Yeah, Laura will tame him a little bit. Um, <laughs> Eric Gruskin but- and Bernard Tomich, I think they're the same age. <laughs> Uh, but other other guys that are out, Karina Busta and Nishioka. You know, Nishioka withdrew, so it makes sense as well. Um, and, and Golbis and Fabiano are now in. I'm really hoping to not see an entry list update tomorrow that Monfils is not playing. That would really suck to see, uh, but there is a chance. But that being said, let's make our way back to the ATP draw and the quarterfinal matches that we will see tomorrow. Tomorrow's matches are Roger Federer versus Hubert Hercoc and Karen Kiechenov versus Rafa Nadal. And we're going to start with the Kiechenov-Rafa match because I know you've been waiting to do this. This is going to be the match to watch. Unless Fed and Nadal end up playing next round, this is going to be the match of the tournament. Their last matchup at the U.S. Open was a 5-7-7-6-6-7-7-6 match. It was unbelievable tennis to watch, and I'm praying we get anything close to that tomorrow. You look at the breakdown from these two in their career. Nadal leads 5-0 head-to-head the last time they played that U.S. Open, but they also played the Masters uh, in Toronto the week before. Nadal won 6-4. and four. Nadal's beaten him in Monaco in 2018, Beijing in China, uh, 2017, Beijing in China, duh, Hager uh, shot in Wimbledon, uh, 2017. And, you know, in all that time, the only set Nadal's lost is that first set at the U.S. Open. Now, you guys were talking about Kiachinov on uh, with Stokowiak yesterday, and just one thing I, I feel like you didn't mention, also your take about Tsitsipas Kiachinov. I'm not even going to get into that. We should have that talk off, Mike, because a lot of fascinating We can make it a GSP. But the point being, you guys talked about him being a big banger against Isner. You know, his big boy tennis. And yeah, Kachanov can hit the f*** out of the ball. Of course, no one's going to deny that the serve, the forehand, it's viable as a weapon anywhere. And I just think, though, given how... Again, I keep reiterating this point. I'm sorry to beat a uh, dead horse, but these courts are so slow. And, like, Kachanov's fitness is going to make a difference. The fact that Kiachinov has a forehand, has a serve, that even with how slow these courts are playing, he can still hit through that, that's a skill not many other players have. Now, he's matching up with Rafa Nadal, and if you've been watching Rafa at all the past, you know, eight months, he has just really doubled down on aggression. He is a more aggressive player, and it's not to say he wasn't aggressive before, because the explosion of his ball is always an aggressive stance. He's always making his opponents uncomfortable because of the height they have to hit the ball at, but now, you know, he's really doubled down, as Stokowiak said, on that serve plus one. He's moving forward a little bit more. He's trying to shorten points a little bit more. I just think, given the way these courts are playing, given how physically fit Kiachinov is, you know, Nadal has had a relatively easy draw as well by comparison to some of these other players. You look at who he's beaten, knocks Donaldson off the court, and beats Diego Schwartzman, who he's uniquely beat to build because of how heavy of a ball he hits, beats Krajinovic. You know, he hasn't been tested. I mean, I guess Schwartzman is a test, of course, but not in the way Kachanov will test him. If Nadal leaves a ball short against Kachanov, you know, it's lights now. Karen's going for it. And I just think... I don't. Yeah, a little Friday spice. It would not shock me at all if Kachanov wins this match. I, I think it'd shock me. Um, 
I mean, look, I gave my take yesterday. Yeah, sorry I, for that rant. I appreciate you letting me go on. No, it's okay. It's because I, I already gave my take in a, in a way. Um, I, I think Nadal's playing great. The slow courts are to his benefit. And look, I, I really? said yesterday. You really think that? You think the slow courts play to his benefit against Kachanov, a guy who physically, you know, he's not. He, I feel like a long match, the longer the match goes. It kind of plays in Kachanov's favor, right? The same way he didn't win that U.S. Open match, but the way he was able to physically wear down Rafa, it was noticeable. You know, we'd never seen someone do that to Rafa before, not named Novak Djokovic or Andy Murray. No, you, you might be right here. I just think the form that Nadal is in, yeah. Kachanov hasn't been playing well, and, and sure, yeah. he's been playing better this tournament. I just think he's not going to see... He isn't. He hasn't seen this level yet, and, and hasn't been able to step up to the level that's needed to beat Nadal. I'm just not quite sure he has it. Can I give one more note on this match? No, you may not. Perfect. The Kachanov forehand, the ability to yank Nadal off the court, really stretch him on the backhand side. You know, Schwartzman could do it a little bit, but again, Diego's a little bit small. But the way Kachanov's going to be able to really attack in that manner, oh my god, you're giving me a look on blue jeans like you're either really interested or really done with this point. I just think that's something to really watch. If Kachanov's able to successfully dictate with his forehand, really stretch Nadal off the court, that's the way he's going to have success. No one blasts Rafa Nadal off the court. Of course not, unless you're staying, you know, it, it's, a, it's a very tough test. That's the way Kachanov's going to be able to do it. A little mix of finesse and power. Well, you, you used the phrase, beat a dead horse. I don't think you beat it. You may have given it a few kicks, but we are going to move on <laughs> to the Federer-Hercotch. Hey, You're getting good at this. <laughs> to, to the Federer-Hercotch match. I don't think there's a whole lot to say here. Federer has spent literally zero time on court, and I mentioned <laughs> this in the last mini break. Also, I think this is just a funny thing to look at. Career wins and losses for Fed, 1,188 wins, 261 losses. Career win-loss for Hercotch, 11 wins, 23 losses. <laughs> I mean, the dude has played a, just a, a fraction of Fed. This is a huge match. In Fed's form, I think this is a straight set win, 100%. It's funny because for Federer, he plays Gojewitz first round, then he plays Stan, then he plays Edmund. On paper, that's not bad, but then he gets Hercotch. Like... What is going on? What are we doing, people? This is really like, oh, please, 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 tennis gods, don't give me Rayonich Federer. Please, 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 okay, please. Okay, but please, would you please. rather have Rayonich Hercotch? <laughs> yes. Honest to God, yes. Dude, something new is better than watching Federer dismantle. How many times do I need to watch Federer's? You know, I'm doing it in the video right now, but just chip and just the slice to the Rayonich backhand. Kill me now. I cannot watch that again. I just watched Federer do that to Kyle Edmund. I can't watch it again. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I think that's enough of the ATP. Let's Real just quick, talk. her catch. A little bit of Medvedev in him, right? Just like the lengthy, the, yeah, the weird, yeah, tall like guy the, kind of the weird pretty form. Big game. Kind of, but it's not that big, right? Pretty big, but yeah. not really. No, it's, it's likes not, to slice. not overpowering. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know what to make of him. I'm really still like jury's still out. Uh, yeah, it, it, we need more. We need more. Look, the guy's played 33 or 34 matches, as I just <laughs> said by his wins and losses, and he's lost more twice as many as he's won. So better better run thus far. Her catch, Kasmanovic. Have I mean, to say, her catch, right? He yeah, beat Nishikori. dude, he, he beat Nishikori. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think you have to give it to her catch, right? Just just based off of his wins. He beat Manor. He beat, uh, excuse me, Pui. He beat D Young. 
You beat Chapo. I mean, th- those are a lot better wins than. <laughs> well, <laughs> we both know the dream of this podcast was to be a Polish tennis podcast. So when we eventually branch out for that as our next pod, we'll do Hubert Hercatch Thursdays. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, we've gone way over. You've got 30 seconds to give your thoughts on the WTA final between Benchich and Kerber. What do you think? 30 seconds. Westoff, start the clock. Go. Benchich is going to win. I'm sticking with my pick. But using these 30 seconds, Max, flip it on you. The next-gen ATP finals field right now. Tsitsipas 1, Dimenauer 2, Tiafo 3, FAA 4, Umbert 5, Shapovalov 6, Kasper Rude 7. Although I think when they flip that, Shapovalov is going to move above Umbert. Rudd is going to move above Umbert. And more importantly, Kasmenovic is going to move above Umbert. That is a juicy field if everyone plays. Well, that had nothing to do with... <laughs> the WTA finals, which I guess shows how excited you are for that match. No, I'm sticking with Benchich. Why would I change now? Double down. Fair enough. West off. Stop the clock. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can I get like a record scratch or something? Yeah. Give me like a little record scratch and and we're going to, we're going to end there. I I think we're, we're losing our, (laughs) this is our weekend podcast. I got to get your winners out of me. Give me who wins the, who's going to the semifinals on the men's side. Give me the finals and the winner as well. Look, I think we're going to have a Fed Ranich final. <laughs> you bite your fucking tongue. We will not have. So, Nadal plays Kachanov. I've already doubled down. Give me Kachanov, Federer, Kachanov over Federer, Kachanov over Raonic. I'll ride it all the way. No, I'm just kidding. I mean, more likely than not, uh, I'm not picking Roger Federer on principle. Well, you're stupid. I'm, I'm not picking Raonic on principle. What about team? We haven't talked about team at all. Eh. Uh, look, team took down a big server with with Doctor Evo. Uh, I think what he did. Okay, here's here's my final take. Jack he could Sock, take down another big server. In 2017, Jack Sock won the Paris Indoors. In 2018, Jack Sock won Indian Wells Masters in doubles. In 2017 or in 2018, sorry, Karen Kachanov won the Paris Masters. In 2019, he wins Indian Wells in singles. That's some sound logic. End it there. Let's go to the weekend. Okay. Off to the weekend it is. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for joining me today. And as always, thank you to our super producers, Maxwell Finger and Daniel Westov. You really do have a f- job to do in this one because we we made this hard for you. I'm sorry. Um, but this is a, a fun pod. We hope that you are going to enjoy this weekend's tennis of the semifinals and finals of Indian Wells. And Alex... You gotta, you gotta end us here. What do we say to all of our fans? That's a break, and we'll see you tomorrow. Actually, we'll see you on Monday. Enjoy Indian Wells.